Hello, my fans, friends. Welcome to the Rich Terring podcast feed, powered by ACAS Plus. Thanks to everyone who's come to see the Can I Have My Ball Back tour so far. It's been going really well. I've got a four-star review in The Standard, four-star review in The Telegraph, who once called me the worst comedy experience of the year, so that's a turnaround. Uh, people have been coming, people have really been enjoying it, and it's getting better and better. The only gigs this week are both in Pocklington, the town I was born in, near York. Uh, there's a couple of tickets left for the evening show and a few more tickets left for the matinee, I think about 4.30. But love to see you there, Yorkshire. Pop along. Check richardherring.com slash ballback slash tour or richardherring.com slash gigs to see if I'm coming near to you. There are tickets left for nearly every show in the tour. I think Norwich has sold out. Uh, and a couple of gigs in London could do with your support as well. Anyway, please listen to the podcast. Do spread the news about the podcast to your friends. Listen as much as you can. Numbers are slightly down, which may affect the future of this podcast. So just leave it playing, even if you're not in the room. Love you. <laughs> now sit back, relax and enjoy whatever it is you're going to listen to. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello, welcome to another Rahala Stubber this week with the amazing Daniel Sloss. Um, thank you to everyone who has been watching these on uh, our Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash rkherring, every Wednesday night if you want to see them, especially if you've been linking your Amazon Prime and Twitch Prime accounts and giving us £5 every single month. Don't forget to resubscribe if you're doing that. It's pretty easy to do. There is a, a video on YouTube if you are confused. If you would also like to pay us back for the five months or so of free content we've been giving out on Twitch, we are launching a couple of Kickstarters. One of them is live now. It's a stone-clearing-based Kickstarter, rahalastapa.co.uk slash Kickstarter. You can just make a donation or you can get loads of cool rewards, including Cub Scout-style stone-clearing badges, a a stone clearing guide, an amazing witch's finger or witch's dick gathered from the field by myself. Uh, T-shirts uh, and all sorts of other things. Go and check out that rahalastapa.co.uk slash Kickstarter if you feel like donating. All the money will go towards either making the merchandise or making new podcasts and in internet content for you. Um, we're trying to put out as much stuff as possible for you. Do check out our Twitch channel. There's Ali and Herring's Twitch of Fun on Thursdays. There's Snooker on Mondays and sometimes Tuesdays and Rahalastapa most Wednesday nights. Anyway, let's sit back, relax, and enjoy Rahala Stepa with the wonderful Daniel Sloss. Hello, please welcome a man who's just finished writing his book. First draft, shut up. Hello, it's me, Richard Herring, and uh, welcome to yet another of our live-streamed 
uh, Richard Herring's Licking Shaven Tushes podcast, it's called today, because I was listening to uh, my guest today uh, in an interview where he talked about uh, shaving his ass for a long time. And so that's and eating asses and stuff. That's what young people do these days. Uh, we will not we will not be talking about that. It's disgraceful. We might talk about it a bit. Uh, but I was uh, hanging around with the Oompa Loompas. Have I never done the Oompa Loompas for this bit before? From Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory. The other, they're great guys. Uh, if, if you if you die, they sing a little song about you. It's, they're, they're, they're a lot of fun. They call it Rahalist, but so I don't know if that's going to catch on. Uh, we'll see if the cool kids start doing that. So what's been going on? Not that much. I've been writing a book. Um, I don't know if I'm allowed to even... I don't know if I've been given permission to say what it is or what it's about. I have occasionally mentioned it uh, on podcasting in my blog uh it's about international men's day so it's about masculinity it's called when's international men's day 19 novel questions do you get it uh we should be asking about masculinity and the one i hope we will never be asked again don't tell anyone yet because it's not out yet it should be out in november but it's it's a big relief i've been working for you know 100 days on this book through lockdown whilst simultaneously trying to parent my children which you know i i should be doing anyway obviously but not all the time, and teach them and stop them. My son threw a tractor. My daughter tonight <laughs> hit her in the head. It was a it was a whole thing. Uh, so it's been difficult, but we've got to the end of the first draft. I think there's still some work to do. Uh, again, masculinity is a, a subject I know my guest has been uh, covering, so there may be uh, some more discussion of that as we go on tonight. Um, yeah, uh, I'd just say uh, if you're enjoying uh, the Twitch channel, uh, you can, of course, remember you can, um, if you're with Amazon Prime, you can give us five pounds every month for at no cost to yourself. The Ian Amazon just gives that money. He takes one pound fifty back, but you can give us five pounds a month uh, just by linking your accounts. If you go to YouTube, uh, Herring1967, there's a very easy uh description there on a video which will help you do that uh, we're also doing uh, snooker that's starting up again excitingly me one versus me two snooker for the people watching this on twitch not you at home uh, on podcast i mean you're all at home uh, not if you're on the podcast on monday the 4th of july uh, on that comedians at home in, in lockdown whatever it's called on bbc2 i will be playing myself at snooker on national tv it's the dream i've been paid i've already got the money I'm a professional self-playing snookerist. Um, it's, my wife said it would never happen. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. They, they wanted it recorded. They got in touch. They rang up and said, can you rec- we need this. It was like right at the beginning of lockdown. They said, we need this uh, by the weekend, maybe Monday. And so I did it straight away, and I got to them on the Thursday. And then it's been a uh, hundred days. Why did they make me rush it? Uh, the, uh, the, the house on the picture that they put out is not my house, by the way, so don't. Don't think it is. They put a picture of a house up at the start. It's not my house. My house is much nicer. No, it's not. Uh, anyway, look, uh, Upper Crust is going bust. Apparently, I, can't, I had no idea that was still going. It's such a, a 20th century place. Uh, I'd, I'll be sad to see it go, though I had thought I thought it had gone already. Anyway, I think we're nearly there. Is there, is there anything I was going to do? I was going to introduce my co-host. I was going to my new co-host. Uh, this is mainly for people watching the video. This is uh, Ali. Hello, you motherfuckers. I think I'm, get, I think I'm getting pretty good at ventriloquism. That's my belief over the course. Shall I have? Shall I just have him ask all the questions? Hello, what uh, have you ever tried to suck your own cock? No, I haven't. Oh, you're a liar. I know you have. Uh, this is the ventriloquist dummy that uh, Stuart Lee attempted to masturbate me with uh, in uh, 1987. 
in the in the Masonic Lodge in Edinburgh. I could get that fucker me too. I'm gonna I'm gonna get him. You know, if I just go, if I, if I can just delete all the bits where I've been joking about it and just go, yeah, he touched my. That's bad, isn't it, Stuart Lee? Anyway, let's meet our guest today. It was all in. It was all just harmless fun. Uh, my guest today is probably best known for his for playing Lawrence Kirk in Muff Muff. That's why we're all here today to see that guy who did that. <laughs> it's Daniel Sloss, ladies and gentlemen. There he is, Daniel Sloss. Hey. How are you doing? I'm I'm all right. I, mean, <laughs> I don't think any of us are doing well. <laughs> Has it been? How's it been the 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 lockdown for you? We you, we're just saying before, and you were, you finished your tour more or less, but. It's kind of derailed your 2020 plans somewhat. Aye, yeah. Like I was, made, I just finished, uh, did an 18 month tour uh, ages ago. It finished in December. It was all the way around the world. And then in January, it was meant like me calming down a bit and then slowly get back into work around February, March to tour uh, Australia. And then I would have a relaxing middle of the year. And then the fringe would happen and then things would continue on as normal. And then that decided to not happen. So I've yeah. lost all sense of self-worth. Don't know who I am anymore. And uh, <laughs> I'm slowly you are, losing you my do. I mean, you work very hard. I work pretty hard as a, a comedian. I do usually used to do a new show every year. You do, you travel the world. You do these shows all over the world. You do a new show every year. Is it true that your Edinburgh show this year was called Hubris? Yes. That's, that's somewhat ironic. Yeah, yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's not happening. Well, now, <laughs> see, this is the thing I was very excited to bring up with you because uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of yours and you have a record that I am desperate for. Right. Uh, you've done, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong here, you've done how many fringes in a row have you done? Uh, I'd say I don't think it was, I think there was always a couple of, uh, out. So I think um, probably the most I did in a row might have been. 14 or 15, something like that. So you, I think you might, you, are you there? you're nearly there. You're not quite there. You're no, see, um, 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 this will be my, uh, I think my 12th. And the, but the, the problem with it is obviously there's no fringe this year. Yeah. I still might be able to perform in Edinburgh during August at the venue I was going to do anyway. Okay. Depending on, so I does might that be count? To, of course it fucking counts. Does that of course, count? Of course it counts. What do you mean? Does it count? <laughs> I absolutely count it. It's in Edinburgh. It's during the f- month of the fringe. It's we don't call it August. It's fringe month. You know what it is. And uh, yeah, hopefully I'll be going for my thirteenth year this year. Okay, so, and you'll be the only one. So there's been a lot of people who've had that ripped away yes, from. So if you, um, if you go, you've ruined it for everyone else. If you manage to keep the fringe going on your own, yeah, and then are you I, literally going to do it every day? You're going to perform it every day? Is that the idea, or is it, or just once? Um, whatever's safest, man. Whatever yeah. they let us do. <laughs> <laughs> like we don't know if for me, just the concept of getting back on a on a theatre stage and yeah. stuff is just so exciting. I'm desperate for it. Well, it must be possible. I don't quite understand. I think we mentioned this last week, but the why cinemas are opening and and. Clubs aren't. I mean, the cinema's the sa- exactly the same as a club, I, I would have thought. I suppose there's a bit more bar action in a club, but it um, doesn't have to be. I, I think if they're able to do it in cinemas, if that, just put on a comedy gig in a cinema. Yeah. And just go, right, same rules, same rules. <laughs> yeah. you, you said it was fine. The only difference is I'm not doing it on that big fucking screen. 
Or maybe we could do it. You could just do it in a different room and put yourself up on the screen. <laughs> yeah. Listen, listen to the response through the wall. Uh, it might work. It might work. Well, and bingo's allowed to go on. And so, like, the, I mean, people were discussing that whether you'd be able to call the numbers and then do a joke in between. You know, if it's I, there's no difference between COVID you know, nineteen. It, yeah, nineteen. <laughs> if it's a film, if it's a funny film, if they're worried about people spluttering with, I don't think films are as funny as stand-ups, though, right? I don't think you don't get many films where people are really literally rolling and head shaking in, in the aisle. So maybe that's the thinking. But, you know, just put shit comedians on. Yeah. I, I, won't make you laugh that much. <laughs> I, <laughs> thought, I thought, I thought you, they could run the clubs, but you, you had to go to a comedian you didn't like. So it'd be a way <laughs> of keeping it going. Yeah. So I'd go and see whoever. I'd go and see Stuart Lee and, uh, you know, sit there. But he would still get paid and, and the theatres would still make money. And nobody would get into trouble because no one was laughing. So, you know, it could work. I think it's you may just... call me a dreamer. <laughs> I think it's what, uh, at the moment, anything that works, anything that could get us performing again, I would be willing to willing to do. Well, to some extent, that's not true. But there's some, <laughs> the, the more I think about it, there are some gigs that you could offer me right now and I'd go, I can, I can happily not gig for another couple of months. Like if you were to offer me a gig in Kilmarnock, I would, I'd be like, I, I can live until 2030 without performing again. <laughs> there's some places you just don't need to go back to. Because I think some people, I, I haven't been doing, I mean, I've been in the podcast, but I haven't been doing that much stand-up. So I haven't really experienced, I think my wife talks about this when I've been on tour a lot and I stopped performing for a month that I become very difficult to deal with but I've been okay because I haven't been performing all that much but I love most comedians I've talked to said that I said they're fine and they're not but I think it's actual you're like a, an addict yeah. a laughter addict you get and you're getting the adrenaline rush and you're actually getting your brain brain flooded with the same chemicals as drugs do and so I have you got had any have you had withdrawal effects from not having that experience uh, Richard I'm losing my mind <laughs> I don't I don't <laughs> I don't know who I am anymore. Like I had a, a, this this tour that I did uh, for eighteen months was it was you know it was Japan it was Australia it was fucking Russia and America and all this stuff and I was you know I, I was gigging every single night doing this show and I was here he is it's Daniel Slosh you know anywhere between fucking two hundred people and three thousand they say your name they fucking like eighteen fucking months eighteen months in a row I was told I was the most important thing in the world every single day I had that yeah. narrative confirmed in my mind from a room full of strangers that had loved and adored me and then me who'd been pining for all this time off for so fucking long after this eighteen months to <laughs> I survived a month of it and now I'm just going what do I do like I have I, like uh, you, you I mean you write your books you've got your, your podcast you're a, you're a father of two beautiful children you've got other things man I, I, I don't know I've, I've, I've been slowly discovering who I am and right. uh, and I'm not necessarily a fan of them <laughs> <laughs> I think it's well it's hard for are you on are you are you isolating alone are you with a partner or with a family or yeah uh, so I've uh, I had uh, I live with my girlfriend and we had uh, our other flatmate he's just away for a bit uh, so I've been in a house of about anywhere between three and five people so it's been good but my girlfriend has a has a real job and I've and she's working at home from nine to five. So I think it's really not hard for her, but like what would normally happen pre-COVID was I would wake up at when she woke up and I would wake up and I'd make her a packed lunchbox because I'm adorable. And and <laughs> I'd make her a packed lunch and I'd give her it and I'd kiss her on the cheek and I'd get back into bed and I'd wake up at one 
and I'd play computer games and then she'd get home at six and she'd go, busy day. And I'm like, oh, the busiest. Oh, just, you won't believe it swept off my feet. Whereas now I come downstairs and wake up at the same time. I make her breakfast and stuff like that. And then I just wander around just not knowing because I, 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 I struggle to relax now because normally if I just had time off from a tour, if it was between yeah. two tours, I, I could smoke weed 24 hours a day, play computer games and not feel guilty about anything. But because I'm unemployed, I just, I've got this anxiety all day of you should be doing something. You should be, you know, you're useless. You're not doing all these things. And it's been a real struggle. She's been helping me with it a lot. Just sort of going, hey, 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 there's nothing to do. That's it. There's, there's just nothing you can do at the moment. Um, but no, man, it's, I've, 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 to be honest, I've, I've struggled with it at points. I'm getting better at it and I'm learning to deal with it, but it's been a okay. fucking shock. Is it possible? See, this isn't something I've had to think about being a respectable father. Uh, is it possible to get drugs during lockdown? Is that, is that service still available? Man, yes, it is. <laughs> and, oh, what? So I've had some, uh, uh, for me, it's, it's, uh, it's about trying to find structure so I don't lose my mind. So there's been days where I'm like, I'll get up, I'll do this, I'll do this. And then there's been other days where I've just texted my dealer and I'm just like, you know what, just go and bring me some acid and I'll just have a day. And I'll just, I've got nothing else to do. I might as well just take a little bit of acid, walk around my garden and talk to some trees. Um, which is good because it's spiritual in a, in yeah, a yeah. way and it, you know, it allows you to uh, self-reflect a bit. Um, but getting in the, it's really hard to do the drug deals because He's like, get in the car. And you're like, especially at the start of lockdown, I was like, I can't get in the car. It's like getting out, getting in to buy drugs from a stranger, but I'm still wearing a mask while in the car, being like, this yeah. is not safe. This is not safe. Yeah. Don't do drugs, kids. It's, uh, no, absolutely don't. Daniel Sloss is a fictional character and is uh, unable to get the bad effects of doing that. Um, so let's talk about uh, MUFF Muff. What was that? Is that what was that? Uh, on your IMDb page, so, lots of comedians in it. Yeah, so basically uh, six or seven years ago, I think, uh, me uh, and Tom Stade uh, decided that uh, it was too hard to get a television show made uh, by all the big TV production companies. They always want to put their fingers into your idea, mix up your idea, and they would take your idea and they'd make it worse over time. And we just, we didn't like that process. So we were like, fuck it, we'll do it ourselves. And uh, it turns out, it turns out you need those people, Richard. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out they're, they're very important and the process is hugely crucial to yeah. the writing process. It was, um. <laughs> Maybe just one to say, don't call it Muff, I think might have been the, that might have been all it needed. Might have been, might have been, man. Might have been. <laughs> it was, what did uh, Muff stand for? It was M U F F. What did it stand for? Didn't stand for everything. That was the joke. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> One of the lines in it was like, M-U-F-F, it doesn't stand for anything. It's like the BBC, it doesn't stand for anything. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> uh, that was one of the only things that translated as a joke in it. Um, it was man, it was, it was, it was just a chance for us to, uh, me and people that I really liked, and just to, just to see what we could do. And yeah. it was a learning process, and I learned a lot. <laughs> and it was that I'm not the best at writing. <laughs> and that if you want to film six episodes of something, don't do it with a quarter of the budget and half the time. Yeah, well, yeah, I, well, I did something with as it occurs to me. I tried to. I got a budget of a hundred grand together to try and make six, 
six episodes and it's too much it's still much too little 100 grand too we we got yeah. five did you yeah <laughs> yeah but 100 but like 100 grand wasn't you know i did it through kickstart and it was very thank you to everyone who contributed i think it was okay but it, you just realize how yeah it's the it's the time you know i was so i was i was writing it for free so i wasn't getting paid for writing i don't think uh but um you know so that's the thing you need the time to sit down and 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 write it properly and i think when you're trying to do some something quickly it sometimes can work sometimes it can't the other uh potential credit i was going to uh pick up on which i have heard you talk about on another podcast now just just the last minute uh you were on robot wars right yes, when yes. you were when before you were when you yes. were a child. I mean, you were a child when you started doing comedy as well, but even yeah. before then. Yeah. So I, tell me about Robot Wars, because that's very exciting. Oh, man. So, I mean, this is OG Robot Wars. Uh, back when Craig Charles uh, um, hosted the original season, uh, me and my dad watched it on TV and just one of those bonding moments where, about it was gladiators, but with robots. And for <laughs> my nerd dad, he was like, this show is brilliant. So him and all of his uh, nerd mates at work, they were like, we've got to enter in on this show. Um, so they, they entered it like three or four times and they did quite well. In season two, they were on the, uh, everyone, you had, the robot had to be like a hundred kilo max, right? Yeah. So the, a lot of people would go, okay, so we're going to put an axe on it and we're going to have that go down. The axe is about 20 kilograms, got to do enough damage. So they put all, they would lose a lot of weight to the weapons of what they were using. Whereas my dad and his friends, a bunch of like nerds and psychopaths, were like, just put all of the weight into motors, right? Yeah. Because, Matt, it doesn't matter if you've got an axe. If I hit you at 30 miles an hour, your thing's dead. <laughs> doesn't matter. doesn't matter what robot you build. If I hit it at 30 miles an hour, it's fucking dead. And that was their plan. And it worked for the entire... They, anything they, they plowed through, they still hold the record. There was one part in Robot Wars, I don't know if people can remember, but the house robot called uh, Matilda. She was. Yeah. She looked like a triceratops. She had a chainsaw on the back. She had little flippers on the front. In season two, there was a thing called Joust. So it was like she came up one side, you came up the other, and there was a arena that you had to try and push her off or stay on for as long as you could. And she weighed twice as much as any other robot because she was a house robot. And my dad's robot took it off in three seconds because it went at 30 miles a fucking hour through this thing. Um, but we got, we got our asses kicked in the, when we started fighting other robots, our lack of weapon d- yeah. d- didn't, didn't work in our favor. You could just run away though. If you're going at 30 miles an hour, just, just exhaust the other well, until you- they run out of petrol or whatever they operate on their batteries, I suppose. Uh, yeah, well, man, some of them, I mean, you, it was, it was, man, as a kid, it was the best place in the world to be because it was in an aircraft hangar, right? Okay. And it's just all these fucking nerds, man, and they've got all these amazing robots. And there's there was such a sense of uh, community because it was every single person in this aircraft hangar had been bullied all the way through their childhood and they were just in an aircraft hangar of their own people, man. It was like, this was nerd culture before nerd culture. This was before Com. Oh, it might not have been before Comic-Con. But it was, oh, I loved it as a kid. I got an extra week off of school because like yeah. one week we got, my dad's robot got knocked out and the reason it got knocked out is because he had a weapon on it that was illegal. He'd, uh, He'd gotten the diamond-encrusted blades that they use on oil rigs for, like, digging through miles and miles of rock, and he just stuck that to the front of a robot, had it spinning backwards, and we're like, fuck it, that'll win. 
So <laughs> we take it to Glasgow for the the tryouts, and the robot we're against has to be swept off of stage. Like a <laughs> destruction happens. But that was when it was in Glasgow, so it was the Glasgow crew doing it. They're like, that's fine. We then go to London. We rev the thing up backstage and one of the health and safety people, they put my dad in a bulletproof fucking chamber to start it. And the second it started going, health and safety were like, honestly, we don't know how you got this. This is illegal to own. You can't stick with like this. We've only got this much perspex. If this goes through rock, this will kill everyone in that fucking arena if it goes wrong. So we weren't allowed to use the weapon, so we were then knocked out in the first round. I was distraught, wow. and 10-year-old me sobbing into the shoulder of Philippa Forrester. Just, uh, she was very kind about the whole thing. But then they gave my dad a job for like a week. Right. <laughs> Because they because they, they're just nerds are the best people in the world. They were like, "Hey, that's too soon. That was such. It wasn't your fault. You lost. Why don't you come drive the house robots for a bit?" And yeah, I mean that could have been a different. I mean, if it had gone into the audience and killed a lot of nerds, that would have been a very that would have been a very different start to your. I, mean, I wonder what to your life. You know, as long as you survived the massacre, but, but, that, but would no, be, that would be a cloud hanging over your life, wouldn't it? If your father I'm, had m- murdered some children and nerds, yeah. But imagine the fringe show, Richard. <laughs> well, there'd <laughs> be a good print eventually. <laughs> imagine the narrative. <laughs> My dad was the robot wars <laughs> massacreist. <laughs> um, I wondered how your eleventh birthday was. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I didn't find out for three days. Oh, uh, did you not? <laughs> no. So for those that don't know, my birthday is uh, 9-11, September the 11th. Uh, it was actually 11-9 since we're in the UK. My birthday is the 11th and the 9th. Um, but 9-11. Um, we, uh, we were on a school trip uh, to some... Uh, just like rock climbing. Just basically get the kids away from their parents for a week's shit. And uh, on the, my birthday was the Tuesday and I remember waking up at nine and all the teachers were happy and we went to breakfast and it was fine. And I got, I got to open the presents that my mum had packed away. And then at around 12 or one in the afternoon, all of the teachers got silent. They're just so quiet. And we're all on the bus, like driving somewhere. And we're like, why are the teachers all upset? They're listening to the radio. And, yeah. they're, and we're like, why are they listening to the radio? None of us had the intelligence to listen to the fucking radio to hear what was going on. We're like, who knows? It must be her mum's dead, and they've said it on the radio. Mrs. Mrs. Janet's mum's dead, and they've announced it on the radio. So, and the teachers were like, they did because how do you explain how do you explain nine eleven to a child? Yeah. So they just didn't do it. So right. they they're like, fuck it. Not my problem. So I went back on the Friday. My mum and dad were like, hey, happy birthday. Here's the main present. Also, just so you know, there's going to be a minute's silence on your birthday for the foreseeable future because the world has changed forever. Yeah, as long as they go, that was that was your birthday surprise. Yeah. The worst thing was, that's what I wished for. Of all the years, I wished for a PlayStation, and I didn't get one. The one year I wished for 9-11, and it happened. Oh, okay. Well, you know, I'm never going to forget your birthday, so that's, uh, that's, a, that's a good thing. I'm not going to send you anything, but I will never... Never, forget it. Never forget. Um, I was surprised to find that you were born in Kingston upon Thames. That's disappointed me. Oh, it disappoints me every day too. Yeah. Um, but are your parents English or are your parents Scottish? Scottish. So okay. uh, my that's allowed. Then uh, mum's from East Kilbride and my father is from Thurso. They met at Edinburgh University and they fell in love, 
and they moved to uh, London after graduating and they lived in a houseboat on the Thames. Now, you might actually know this. Do you remember a comedy club called Screaming Blue Murder? I do, yeah, very much so. One of the first places I played. That was, right, so right. So my mum and dad saw <laughs> you do your like one of your earlier gigs because that oh, wow. was their local gig. So wow, they would, okay. So every single, whatever <laughs> night was on, they would go watch it all the time. They saw you, they saw Mark Lamar, they saw Stuart Lee, they saw yeah. fucking Don French, all the all the great ones from that time. That's why they love stand-up so much, and that's how they got uh, me into it. So they're down there, and then my mum doesn't have a job at this point. She's got her PhD, uh, and my dad's got his programming job. And um, then my mum, they'll deny this, they, uh, they accidentally conceived me. Uh, they will, they'll be like, no, you were intentional. I wasn't because they lived on a houseboat on the Thames. And <laughs> if you intentionally, while unemployed, have a child while living on a boat, you're not allowed to be a mother. I just, like, <laughs> um, so I was born then down there. And then at the age of four, um, I had the, I had a Cockney accent. Right. I was like, hello, mummy. Hello, daddy. What's going on here then? And my mum and dad were like, there's not a chance. We cannot. I'm not, I'm not raising a fucking Tory. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. Getting back across the, getting back across the wall, getting back. No, his, his grandfather will never hug him if he sounds like that. And, uh, moved up to Fife when I was four and then went worse because I went to the Fife accent, which I don't know if you know, it's fucking nasal. I shit my ass up. Okay. Uh, and then I, descended into this monotony okay i had the same because i was born in york i'm from yorkshire originally and i had a very broad yorkshire accent but then at four i moved to leicestershire then at eight i moved to somerset and then i moved to london everything and now i've got nothing there's nothing there's little bits of those accents hidden away in my actual whatever this is but yeah i, I, I was talking this to one of the guests recently but i just said that i found an old tape of me singing the theme tune to Wait Till Your Father Gets Home, which really won't mean anything to you. Uh, and uh, broad Yorkshire accent. It's, it's, it's extraordinary. Um, but that, that's, what, that's what happens. We, we move around, destroy our heritage, but at least you've moved back. And got what it. kind of accents do, you, uh, do your kids have then? Um, I don't, well, my son's t- only just started talking, so I don't think he's got an accent. It's a bit hard to tell with a kid. I don't, yeah, I don't know, really. Nothing. Not any, nothing particularly. Is there any accent that would put? Would you? Is there any accent that would put you off? <laughs> um, I mean, it'd be, it'd be weird if they just picked up a different accent. Uh, uh, if they started walking around just being, just being French, French. <laughs> oh, bonjour, papa. I have uh, picked up a little bit along the way. <laughs> uh, no, I'm, I'm very, I'm very, I'm very good at accents, and uh, I'm very open to any accent. That is, that's that's my uh, that's my thing. Um, that and ventriloquism. Um, so uh, I saw it was good, wasn't it? It was amazing. It was very good. <laughs> my great granddad made that uh, ventriloquist dummy, so I inherited that from my granddad, who inherited it from his dad. His dad was like, I think, a Methodist minister who used that to doll spread the word in, of God. Yeah, and now I use it to <laughs> to swear <laughs> and look like I've had a mental I'm, breakdown. I'm sorry. You wait. So in church, he was like, "Look, Jesus is a great guy, but don't let me tell you." I, <laughs> ah, 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 ah. The, ah, I mean, I don't think it would have been quite this frightening, like in 1890 when he made it. But uh, it's uh, it's still it's not. There's a female one as well. Uh, they're okay. called Ali and Sally. Ali and Sally Sloper. I think they're based on some cartoon of the time. But we found inside it rolled up. There's all these bits of newspaper from I think 1890 something like that. So that's how that's how old wow. he is. I should look after him better than I do. But at least he's he's still being used, right? Yeah. yeah I don't know. I wonder what he would 
I mean, you know, how could how could he imagine this? But what how what would he think if he's you know that would be passed down to your great grandson? That's amazing. He's still got it. It'll still be you know a, a whole century of pass will be in the third century, and he's using it to swear on, on the internet and being <laughs> yeah <laughs> sexually assaulted by it. Um, you know, I hope I'm glad he never lived to 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 see that oh, day. Yeah. Mainly because yeah. had he lived this long, he would have looked terrible. Jesus. <laughs> He'd be very old. You've seen the state of the puppet. I can't imagine what he'd look like. <laughs> so, uh, well, let's talk. Your mum was a massive help in. I know your mum's quite a big figure in the in the fringe, isn't she? But she was a big help in in getting you into comedy in the first place. So she she sort of when you were and you and you you'd shown an aptitude for comedy. I I guess by I, this stage. Yeah, I'd shown an interest a... in it. Yeah, like, I, man, I, I I love stand-up. I always have. Yeah. Um, because my parents love it, because they watch all this live stuff. So my dad always had it. He would take me to the Fringe since I was about, you know, five or six years old, just watching street performers at first. But when I go older, um, start, you know, going to see any of the late-night shows that I was allowed into or the afternoon ones. Um, and my parents were good. Like, they knew I wanted to try stand up and want to give it a go but they were also very much of hey as a backup you've got to get your grades first make sure you you know do well in school this isn't your job yet um and my mum weirdly enough frankie boyle ended up doing a corporate gig uh that my mum was at and my mum is very confident she's an extrovert she's very friendly she, and she just did that standard mum thing. She's like, my son thinks he's, he's, he's a good, he's, he, he thinks he's funny. He's a big fan of yours. You should teach him. And Frankie was kind enough to go, you know what? Sure. Here's my email address. And wow. So yeah, 16 <laughs> year old me emailing Frankie Bob, asking him all these questions. Like, how do you write jokes? What's the best way to do this? And Frankie's response was essentially along the lines of, I can't be arse answering these, just come and hang out with me. So I got to <laughs> hang out with him during the Fringe and he introduced me to all these people. So that was like a good, and also helped me get my first gig at the uh, the stand. Right. Oh, that's good. It's, it's, well, it's nice that that works. I don't want people trying that though. So don't try that with me. Don't. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah, uh, yes. Don't, also, don't try. Don't get your six. I'm not going to help. I also don't pay it forward at all. <laughs> I also, I've not, I get emails all the day. Hey, Dan, you're big fan. I know I'm busy. I can't. It's, there's so many some things going on. But you do, you know, you get emails like that and I respond to them, but I, that, it is quite, uh, your mum must have done a good job on uh, Frankie to make him like she actually. Has, has very large breasts, Richard. Is that what it was? <laughs> And, and for the people that are like, that's a bit of an uncouth comment to say. Uh, let me to explain. I know my mother has uh, large breasts because I went to high school where I was bullied for the size of my mum's chest by both pupils and teachers. So um, wow. um, it's not new information for me. <laughs> well, that's oh, if there's any mothers out there with very large breasts, then. No, yeah. I, that's not terrible. Frankie yeah. was a terrible, terrible man. <laughs> uh, so let's, well, let, let, before I forget, let's talk about, we were talking about lockdown and gigs. Let's talk about the gigs that you've got coming up. This is in July for the people watching this in uh, July. Yes. Uh, you've got, you've, you've got uh, coming up. So you do, you've, a few people have had this idea of doing drive-in comedy gigs. So can yes. you explain to me what this is and how this is going to work? Right. And if uh, it's going to work. What I, I, who knows if it's going to work? This yeah. is the as as the guinea pig. Don't yeah. know. So I mean, you know the, the we know drive-ins from American movies and stuff. Yeah. You know, especially horror movies. You drive your car in. It's on a big screen. You can tune into the radio and you get to watch it from the safety of your own car. So you can canoodle and cavort with your data, whatever things. 
Um, so they're I, they're doing that with the stand up. They've not just stand up, but they've got a big. Uh, cinema screen in the middle of this car park somewhere in London. Uh, people basically get to drive their car in, park in their space. Their radio station connects to a frequency which connects to my microphone. I'm also on the big screens. Uh, but they can also get out of their car and on an app, I'm pretty sure they can order food and drinks. If they, And there'll be some service. I don't know. It sounds so interesting. Um, but gig-wise, I've got... No idea, because normally, if you were to offer me a gig last year, in fact, Richard, if I was to approach you last year and be like, hey, do you want to do you want to do a gig in a car park to about, I don't know, maybe 250 people? Uh, they're spread out. The cars are at least 30 yards away. It's also outside. There's no cover. Do you fancy doing that? There's no... How they, are they, do they beat their horn to show they're laughing? Is that the idea, I or do they? I can hope not. <laughs> That's what I've heard people say that they're going to do. Well, the, otherwise, you're getting no laugh, laughter, are you? Unless they're, they're going to open their windows and stick their heads out and yeah. laugh. Well, I think hopefully they'll sit outside, and maybe you'll see. Oh, that. sit outside the car. Yeah, I don't, maybe they will. Maybe it'll just be like gigging to a bunch of fucking Autobots, just getting heckled by Megatron off the back. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I don't know what to expect. I'm genuinely excited for it because yeah, I, yeah. If it does, if it does work, and it, 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 then I mean it's fucking, and then I get to work for the rest of the year. Yeah, <laughs> I get to go back to <laughs> a job. The only problem is, um, I, I would be very tempted as well to go and watch something in it. I'd like to see it from the audience perspective because yeah, as a performer, I think we get caught up in our heads so much about, especially when we can't hear laughter. Like, I don't know about you, but I especially, if you can't hear laughter, your timing gets fucked up, you get self-conscious about shit, you naturally speed up some of your material. Whereas if as a performer, I've watched people, friends of mine, have gigs that they didn't enjoy because they couldn't hear the laughter, but I still did genuinely enjoyed it. And they come off stage with the same sort of like, oh, that was shit, it didn't go well. And from an audience member, I'm like, we all loved it though. <laughs> So yeah. I hope that's what it is. And well, you do get those gigs where, you, you know, you really felt there's, you know, especially on a tour, you'll get like a sub, the exact same material, you're feeling doing the same and just like a, like not even a sound, you know, you're not hearing a sound. And then you often go, uh, you know, to people and they go, oh, yeah, we love that. What a brilliant show. We loved it. And you cut, and there was, you know, the night before people ah, and cheering and then just sort of silence. It's one of so the- you go. I'm kind of used to performing to not very many people and not making that much noise, so it's 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 all right <laughs> for me. I think it'll be okay, and, and I think it's I think it's inter- I think just getting that ability to be on a stage and just do it. I think you might find it's okay. I yeah, and, and also, man, I've done we've done music festival gigs and some music festival gigs, especially stuff like uh, Festival and uh, Latitude. Those gigs are brilliant, and those are technically outdoor gigs. Yeah, or they, yeah. you know. As long as we get that type of crew in. Um, yeah. Also, I think another good that, that I know about this one is they've done the uh, the the free tickets for NHS workers thing. Okay. So, um, I mean, there are people that I think at this point in time will laugh at anything. <laughs> <laughs> and are there tickets for these still remaining? Can people come see it, or are you? Uh, there are still how, tickets. How find- uh, if you go into uh, the drive-in uh, club, um, I, I should have the email. <laughs> I'll find it. Somewhere. The drive-in club. Oh, yeah, right. drive-in club. I think it's called. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's 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 cool. And 
and you're planning to do Edinburgh on your own, so yeah, that is if 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 possible. Big, possible. Yeah, so if, big, if big Sturgy to... allows it, if if Nicola yeah. herself gives us the nod, we'll. Uh... Yeah. Well, that's good. So that's that's some of the pe- things that the people in the or- in August who are listening to this in August can yeah. possibly. Well, we'll see. I'm not, you know, I I I'd be very surprised. I'm, my prediction is August we're back indoors again. Do that's you think my so? Prediction. Yeah. I mean, certainly some of us. I think it's going to be. If they manage it well, it'll be like it is as we're recording this. That Leicester has been locked down. Dirty, dirty Leicester has been locked down. Yeah. Um. Uh, but uh, <laughs> you know, you expect it of Leicester. That's fair yeah, enough. Yeah. Yeah. Who, um, who else? Be be honest. Be honest. <laughs> who else? We know with Leicester's gone down. Who else do we know is going to fuck it up? Um. Let me have a little think about. I I think I don't Aldershot, trust Leeds. They'll fuck I up. I think I think Aldershot is definitely going down. Yeah. I, I think Aldershot might have had the coronavirus this whole time. <laughs> they were the epicenter <laughs> that we didn't just know been, about. They've just been going for a long time. Um, Wolverhampton. I oh, mean, again, yeah. Wolverhampton. You wouldn't notice if it had been ravaged by <laughs> an apocalypse. Um, but yeah, there's there's a few places, and I would I you know I don't know I I would it would be lovely to think we're back in in clubs and theatres by the autumn, but I just don't know if that's realistic, and whether those and that's the things they're like to you know look, every day they're tweeting uh, this venue is la- laying off staff and that's the bit that's will the venues be there when we come back? Aye, that's the the really really horrible bit about it is like the the arts that will suffer the the all these amazing little art centers that you used to get to play and all these wonderful theaters that are just going to deteriorate and then not be funded afterwards they're just going to go into uh it's it's very very sad <laughs> it is very sad I, well, we'll say, I, I just i mean will it work just that i don't you know will those buildings will someone else just buy you know if it does if everything goes to shit you know will someone else just buy it and then employ everyone back again or will someone come and go? Great, we'll turn Norwich Playhouse into a big yeah. theme restaurant, and yeah. probably, you know, will that is that how the, how it will work? And, and is that why the government don't give a fuck because they just think, oh, this will all get changed into something more profitable? I mean, if you want to, if you, if you want to, if you want to get to the like tinfoil hat, this is how bastards the government are. I absolutely think it is well within their interest to destroy anything that encourages free thought, free yeah. speech, anything that involves smiling. They're like, don't do that. Because when people are happy, they get ideas. So I think they're loving it. The fact that the arts are dying. I think they think it's excellent. Yeah, I'm sure you I'm sure you are correct. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If Only in Theatres, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a It's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Let's ask you a couple of emergency questions. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go for some new ones. I've been asking similar ones all the time. So I am going to ask you. Um, okay, this, I've got, I'm quite obsessed with sex robots. And this, just as we've come to a question about sex robots. But, you know, uh, this is a, uh, quite an involved one. If there are ever sex robots, as any right-thinking person hopes, would they be self-cleaning? Or would there be another small robot that would clean the sex robot? Or would there be a person whose job was to clean out the sex robot before the next person used it? And can you think of a worse job than that job? Well, first off, straight off, I'm going to tell you that uh, there absolutely would be people that clean the sex robots. And I guarantee you there are people that would fucking enjoy it. That would be their kink. (laughs) I promise you there are people out there who don't want to have sex with a sex robot. They want to be the ones to clean the sex robot. They want to be the one that gets to go in and collect the juices and the whatnots. Um, I... Cleaning a sex, they they would have to be self cleaning because yeah. I mean, I mean, it's, wait, the vagina is self cleaning, isn't it? Um, I mean, yeah, but like a, the vagina is much more complicated than any uh, robot or anything else in this world. It's a wonderful yeah. mystery, isn't it? No, even science doesn't know how a vagina. Yeah, yeah. They don't actually uh, know what it is. They've, they, they, science can't, well, they can't they confirm don't, it. They don't know what it is. <laughs> so I, I think it is a little bit self cleaning, but I think. Uh, they do have to be clean. I think they have to be washed, yeah. to be fair. It's like your penis needs to be washed, Daniel, yeah. especially yours. <laughs> if you're cleaning, I would say for a vagina, it would probably have to have some sort of dump system. But then yeah. if you, if for a, for, uh, a, for the robot, you mean? Or are yes. you trying to improve the female? <laughs> no, no, for, no. I think if I was God, I'd have had a dump, just pull a lever, dump just it. Away, and then yeah. if you really want it, something, a sort of suction thing that would pull it. Pull, yeah, pull like it a syringe. Right you could just... Yeah. If you're cleaning um if you're cleaning a a sex robot that has a dick and you're cleaning the dick, at what point are you cleaning a robot and at what point are you just are you just wanking off a robot to yeah, not completion? True. There's a question for you. The that's, se- a good, that's a good question. There's another one, there's another one. Yes, go on. Right. So obviously with the female sex robots, they'll be programmed to fake their orgasms, much like normal women are programmed to do that as well. Um the, the male ones, the male ones, will they would you reckon they would ejaculate? I mean, I would hope. I mean, you know, I, I mean, yeah, I expect so. Yes, I mean, I would hope so. You know. Is that? A, what, would you reckon that's an important part of it, the experience, or do you reckon they would be like, oh, you know what, well, that's the worst bit? I suppose that is interesting. I, I would say, you know, obviously for the the ejaculate or the mm-hmm. ejaculator, uh, that is a very important part of it. I think for some people, the the ejaculation is an enjoyable thing to witness and be part yeah. of. And be you know partially covered in. But would it, I think but, some people will enjoy that. Yeah, but like would it? Because lately, if it was if it was a sex robot with a dick, the, I mean, yeah. the button would literally just be round there. We're all aware of where that that emergency button is. I just because what would it be? It would have to be edible. Maybe you could. Maybe they'd flavour it. Yeah, probably. It wouldn't have to be, you know, it could be nice. Yeah. Is that right? It could be just something nice rather than. But again, God has made an error. One of my other emergency questions is. 
you know, it seems weird that God made. If you're gonna make ejaculate, you'd make it taste nice, wouldn't you? What would you What would you have ejaculate taste of if you could, if you could choose anything? I mean, the day I suppose if it tastes too nice, the danger is danger. you just sit there at home, just you know, making it into bowls and eating yeah, it, or just getting high. Then the human race bowl. runs out. <laughs> yeah. yeah, if it tastes, so it's got to be a little bit horrible, but but still nice enough. You know what? I think I th- I think the taste of it now is don't change the taste of it because. Okay. For those people that enjoy the taste of it, that's fine. And if they don't, they don't. Eh, to make it tastier, you're just asking for trouble. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Do you think if you were starving, how long did you could last if you were stuck in a situation where you there was no food and you were trapped? How long do you think you could last just eating your own uh, sperm? Uh, did people try that? Like, I'm alive. And they start eating each other. Did they consider just wanking first and just eating that first? They could have done each other's. Yeah, I think you could definitely, with the protein in it... There's a lot of protein in there. It would give you an extra couple of hours, maybe days. But the question is, it's only worth it if you know you're going to survive. Because otherwise, when they find your body, it's just filled with cum. (laughs) They're like, we did did the autopsy and it was like a jizz pinata. He just recycled it over and over. Because if you drink your your own pee over and over again, your pee changes colour and it stops being nutrition. If you eat your own cum over and over again, does it stop? Does it stop being cum? I don't think it f- swims back into your testicles, if that's what you are. I don't are think, I think it does stop being cum. D- no. I don't, I, don't, I don't think it can find its way home like a salmon. <laughs> no. I think it comes I think it comes out. I don't think it's recycled. I think it <laughs> But Sorry. also the question is whether the amount of energy you would expend in, in getting the sperm out is less than the amount of energy that the sperm would give you. That's the problem, I guess. Sorry, I just I love the idea of salmon sperm. Now every every time you ejaculate, just the sperm desperately trying I mean, to sperm. Any sp- that would we would die out. The sperm if sperm had a homing instinct, <laughs> yeah. we'd be in a lot of trouble because they'd just all be. Yeah, you'd come and then they'd all just jump out and try and come leap out. It would be, be very exciting. <laughs> but again, the human race would run. So um, there may be a planet where that happened, where people did that and the. The sperm were homing sperm, but the the that race did not last to see the the next day. Well, that's very that's all very interesting. <laughs> I'm glad I'm glad we covered that. That was very important. Yeah, science, um, get it done. Any doctors out there who would like to contribute? To <laughs> so let's talk about this. I know you have talked about this a lot, um, but I'm interested in the numbers. Obviously, in your show Jigsaw, yep. that you you talked to me. You were, it was about relationships and. Uh, you were sort of seen you variously claiming to have broken to have broken up. Well, the fit highest figure I saw was twenty five thousand. Oh, that's okay. relationships. So the relationships is over a hundred thousand now, but it's the uh, that's hard to keep a tally of because yeah. I stopped. I once we got to I think twenty five thousand, I stopped going into the DMs and stuff. And so it's been a. I'll still go in count it up, but it's very much an estimate. The one that we can guarantee is uh, I think it's one hundred and seventy seven divorces. Wow. Yeah, uh, so, I've got to. I've got to I've, I've, in places, I've signed divorce papers that people have brought to the show, saying, "Hey, I left my husband or I left my wife because of the show. Please sign this." This is, it's such a surreal thing, man. So the I mean that wasn't the only aim of the show to no. to destroy love. No, no. I mean, my, it ought to destroy love that wasn't working. I suppose is what you what was was exactly my intention. My thing was, uh, I'm not against love. I believe in true love. Only an idiot would not believe in it. My problem is you get 
I just believe that most people in relationships aren't actually in love. They've just forced themselves into there because we're so terrified of being alone. And I, I had been in a particularly toxic relationship that I'd come out of that made me just like uh, have all these doubts and I hate myself. And it's, I felt pressured to get into that relationship by everyone, my family, my friends, society. You have to be in a relationship. Otherwise you're not, you're not complete. You have to be part of something, otherwise, you know, and I just, I didn't like that. And I hated the fact that there were so many people out there who would, uh, who had, didn't know who they were, hadn't found confidence in themselves, and were had this fucking pressure from everyone else to get into a relationship. And good people settled for less than they were worth. You had yeah. really, really nice people who were like, you know, they would see their friend Debbie, who's going out with some cunt called Chris. And online Debbie saw, oh, me and Chris had a great day today. We did this, we did this. And then we sat there going, Debbie hates Chris. Debbie, she texts me five minutes going, I hate Chris, he's a dick. But, but even though she hates him, she's still in this relationship. Therefore, having something must be better than having nothing. And it forced all these people into relationships. And when I forced myself into that relationship and then got out of it, the I felt so much better. I, I discovered who I was again. And that relief I wanted to give to other people. <laughs> not people in necess- not in happy relationships, but people in toxic relationships. Those relationships where the other person has made you dislike yourself so much that the only place you are able to get affection from is from them. And then it's a vicious cycle of a, of a thing. This person teaches you and convinces you that you're fucking worthless, but then they still love you. And you're like, oh my God, I'm worthless, but they love me. What a hero, what a, what a savior. And I, people in those relationships, it's, a, it's cyclical and it's vicious. And I just, when I got out of it, I was like, I have to, help people in this situation sure. but it spiraled way more <laughs> way 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 more i think it's interesting there was definitely you know there was times when i was in relationships where, where i wasn't happy but you you know i would i i think the the when i realized i was in a good relationship when i was in bad relationships i was kind of secretly hoping my girlfriend would die so that i could that not I break out them. of it yeah. that would be that would be the way out because i couldn't see a way out of it but in my now I'm married and I just wish I would die. So I think that's, that's the, <laughs> that's the definition of love to me. So, you know, mm-hmm. I don't want, I want my wife to, I love her. She's amazing, but it'd be, that'd be the way. That's the only way out of it now. <laughs> uh, here's, a, here's a very, very morbid question for you. Would, would you rather die first or would you rather your wife die first? Who would deal with it better? Um, well, I think I, I would probably deal with it better, but I do hope, I mean, you know, she's, she deserves to live longer. Than yes, <laughs> she's a bit younger than I am, and she deserves to have a have a life. But you know, I have to accept there's a very good chance that uh, the person who sees my children <laughs> in their 18th and 21st birthdays might not be me. It might not. Be. She might have found someone else. But yes, I, I, I yeah, I, it's a weird one. But yeah, I think she. But I don't think she would cope. I think I would. Have, I, I, yeah, it's a weird thing to say, isn't it? I think I would cope with it better. I, don't, I wouldn't be very happy. And once you've got kids in the equation, that's the thing you got to get. You know, that's who would do it. It'd be too horrific for them, and just having to imagine that for them. But also, 
very horrific for you to have to listen look after <laughs> i i i just i i i both my parents are still alive and i don't want either of them to die but when they do it, my dad has to go first <laughs> yeah like, my dad has to go first yeah, if, 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 <laughs> if if my dad dies my mum will be so graceful she'll she'll cry she'll have that single tear beside the graveside she'll mourn but she'll for the sake of her three remaining children she'll pull herself up and and and, and she'll be wonderful uh my dad will deteriorate he'll die in a day he'll die in a day he will just uh, he's he's just he's been with this woman too long he doesn't know how yeah. to and yeah, not my, in a bad way no, in no, a really but, adorable way but my mum and dad but also my mum and dad are pretty uh, you know in their 80s now but my mum still is very young and vivacious and my dad is you know i think my dad will he's fine but if my mum died, he there's you know they've been together since they were thirteen as well, so they've been together for seventy years. Aye, and uh, and so like the idea of I mean that's just either of them like getting through that would be uh, uh, terrible. But yeah, my mum will get over him a couple of years. Fine. I just, I, that's, I, why, that's why I reckon there should be there should be an option. There should be yeah. an option for suicide pact in a hospital. <laughs> like if you yeah. if you've been married to someone for over. 50 years, right? And they're yeah. about to die. There should, there should just be a bot, an option on the thing going, take me with them. Like, I just don't want, and people should be entitled to do that. Why on earth? Ha, most of my life I spent with this amazing part. I can't be arsed. Just take me out with them. Why? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a beautiful romantic idea of old people murders. I think Harold Shipman had a similar idea. Um, <laughs> so I'm in great yeah. company. I'm You're in great, great company. company. And they, they locked him away. Oh. He was just a dreamer. He just he um, believed in true love. It's all he wanted. He didn't want there to be heartbreak in the world. <laughs> but it's weird. Like, relate, you know, I think the, the, what I worry about about that show is like relationships are very fragile. You just need a little bit of doubt in them. What, the other week, I mean, I think me and my wife are pretty, a pretty strong relationship. I, I really hope so. I don't, I never want to go back to dating again. And uh, I love her and I love my family. And the idea of not being with them is, is terrible. But I, I was for another thing. I was, I had a tarot reading last week and she kind of said, she, the first thing she said, I mean, it was all very vague and I don't, I, don't, I have it as a cynic and I don't believe it. But uh, she, the first thing she said is you, you feel your career is going around in circles. And one of my things I do at the moment is go around the field, picking up stones and filming it. So I thought, well, that's definitely true. Uh, so maybe she's onto something, and then uh, just and like then she shit handling Gretel. <laughs> and then she said, "But on the relationship front, I think it's fair to say you're not in it with both feet, are you?" And I went, <laughs> <laughs> "I said, well, don't tell my wife that because you know I'm married with two kids, and you know she went no, and she still went. I, I sort of made a joke. She went, no, no, you're not, but you're not. And, <laughs> and then having that, and then I told I told my wife and thought she'd find it funny, but now every now and again she goes, "Oh, you're not in it." And, you're not in it with both feet, are you? Yeah, you open with. And then I'm with... thinking, am I in it? Am I in it with both? Maybe I'm not in it with both feet. Oh, I, mean, I can't I believe I you have a tarot reader. <laughs> Pardon? I can't believe you have a tarot reader. Well, I had to. I had to. Well, like, it was for a thing. So it was. For, I had to do something that I would never usually do. So I, that was the thing I selected for this for this uh, project I'm doing. But um, yeah, so but it's it's weird just having that uh, seed planted can sometimes uh-huh. but, you know create yes. create a doubt that isn't yes. isn't there, isn't even there. I have no doubt that I planted that seed in plenty of relationships that were fine and would have altered otherwise thrived and gone into better things. But I do not feel guilty about that because I categorically do not believe in the concept of the one. I think yeah. the concept that is so 
arrogant uh, that there's only one person out there good enough for you. Fuck <laughs> off. There's nine people in this street good enough for me. Like it's so I, I, if if the, the real relationships, the 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 strong ones, are the ones that will survive it. If 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 a comedian can break up your relationship with a joke, yeah, wasn't that strong enough to begin with? And it was only the it was only the questions that I wished. I had been asked and the doubts that I'd have in my head. Sure. Because I don't think that's a bad thing. I don't think it is. And, you know, I don't think it's a bad thing for people not, you know, I think like in the in your 20s, I think especially you're made to feel like you should be in relationships, you should be in relationships and you're going to find someone you'll be with them forever. And people get married and people, you know, and it works for some people. But I, it's great. If it had been, if, it, if I'd got married in my 20s, it would have been a disaster. And I think you need to make those mistakes. But also, the, the, I look back at my 20s and 30s and the things that I did end relationships over, um, you know, were quite small things. I think like, the thing, well, I can't even remember, you know, but you'd be irritated by something or there'd be something that annoyed you or you just think, oh, we had a big argument, so that's the end of the relationship. And then you get married and then the things you have to ride through to go, okay. Hi. And you get, you get, oh, you know, you do get over, you have days where you go, God, you know, you're at each other's throats and you hate each other for 30 seconds, 30 minutes. And then you go for a walk, walk around the field and clear some stones and you feel a bit better. Uh, <laughs> but, 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 but I think that's, that's an important distinction in a relationship because I've had those arguments in previous relationships with no little moments. I had an ex-girlfriend who, and this is small, but it's like she would talk while the television was on. And it just it, and I know, and I know, I shouldn't be focused on the television. And but that's the thing: if she wants to have a conversation, I'll turn the fucking TV off, and we'll have a conversation, right? What are we doing? Are we watching TV or are we having a conversation? Because I cannot do both. So you need to make a decision right now. She wouldn't. She'd be like, just watch, and I'll talk to you. And yeah. I, I, I couldn't do it. That's a small reason. Whereas, okay. and that causes us to break up. My girlfriend now, if she spoke to a show, it would annoy me, but I wouldn't. It wouldn't. It wouldn't annoy me to the ends of the earth because yeah, yeah. when she talks to me, I'm actually fucking interested in what she has to say. <laughs> well, that's the thing. I think you know you learn a lot about yourself. You learn a lot about other people. I, you know, I I think people should. I mean, you're not even thirty yet. You're nearly thirty, right? You're, t- yeah. you're turning thirty this year. Um, you know, you're very. I mean, you're incredible. It's, it, it's. I mean, your career is astonishing in that sense. I mean, you've you've been working for like eleven or twelve years, something like that. I guess as a professional comedian. Yeah. Uh, and you know, but even so, that's the the level you've got to because you're you're. I mean, I don't think never know people in the UK know to the extent it is because you're playing in, in big theatres all around the world. You've been on all the American chat shows, Conan O'Brien. You're on on all the yeah. time, and yeah. you know th- that's a that's a pretty big deal that not many UK comedians have got to that level. I don't know whether people do people know that about you, or is it just that I don't know that about you? No, people know in the yeah. <laughs> it's in in the UK is its own uh, has its own. Uh, I little... mean, you're doing very well in the UK, but I don't think yeah. you know that the level you're at in the world is is higher than most comedians we would know. In this yeah, country. I am globally quite successful in yeah. the UK. I'm reasonably I'm more successful globally than I am in but no no but it's, it's just England it's just England Scotland have always done well because they'll yeah. support their own um, England's getting on board and I don't mind that because like with the English scene the English comedy scene the British comedy scene is exceptional at the moment like it really really truly is and that's why there's so much good stuff on television and why the competition is much more fierce and that's why i'm less known here i was like fuck it i'll go be famous in russia 
<laughs> but there's a big, you know, I get there's a, there's a big comedy scene in Russia of English speaking comedy, right? Because I've I've had. I, I you know, you're, not, a, you're not performing in Russian, I'm presuming, or is it translated? And it was translated, so we was went. It? Okay. Yeah, in uh, in in Moscow, so uh, there was they some of them the words that were not fully fluent in English had the show live translated in their wow. ear. Um, that was a weird gig because there was. Do a you delay. get to pick the guy who's doing the trans? Because the guy who's translating has to have a have a certain comic flair, surely, to to pull it off. No, no, so we didn't. But the, no, no, so this was so. Before we get to Russia, I mean, they sent through the entire, the Russian government's like, right, what are you going to say? What are you going to say while you're in Russia? Now, the show I was doing, I was doing my show X, which was about uh, toxic masculinity and uh, sexual assault and male complicity. And it just had a bunch of jokes in it, but they were like, write it all out and let us know what the topics are about. And I had some pro-gay material in there. And my thing was, I'm not cutting that out. Like that's I'm not. I, if I'm I'm doing the full show in Russia, I'm not editing the show for you. If you don't want the full show, none of it's coming. So they sent this translator to come see the show when it was in Vienna, and we're paranoid as shit at this point. We're like, he's he's from the KGB. They've <laughs> they've sent him to come and listen to the set to go back to them to let. I mean, this was a very highly educated Russian man, fluent in like seven languages. It was so it was so interesting, so amazing. It was the knew the nuances between words and languages and he was so good to talk to him. the entire time he was talking I'm like you fucking KGB I know what you're up to you're, you're, you're texting Putin right now you're like he's doing pro-gay stuff he's anti-sexual assault he's all this um, and uh, we uh, we got there and he translated and it seemed to go well they laughed mm-hmm. they laughed three seconds after I'd said the thing so it was yeah. uh, but I don't. I don't know if he actually said the thing. I, he could have <laughs> exactly. been like, exactly. I could. I could have been doing my bit where I'm like, and gay marriage is important and all this stuff. And he's like, <laughs> and it's just say, he's talking about how great God is and <laughs> how beautiful Jesus' beard was. Oh dear. Well, that's that's very very exciting. And yeah, I mean, I've, I've had a few shows uh, abroad, but um, other people doing them in different languages. It's a very weird, uh, very weird experience. But yeah. Yeah, well, so um, and I was there's uh, one of your shows on Netflix now. I think a couple have been on, and and X is on HBO. Is that right? So that's yeah. so there's, um, uh, Dark and Jigs are available on Netflix. Oh, and, two on both yeah, on Netflix. And X are on X is on HBO. So I watched Dark today, which is, I mean, I think it's um, there's a, it, it's a very interesting show. Which obviously you talk about um, your your sister in this show, which is a very uh, personal moment. Uh, but I think it's it's well, it, it's interesting interesting that the, the I'm interested in kind of the disability and the way comedy can, uh, you know, discuss disability. And you do, you have this, very, this discussion in your in your show. Your your sister was disabled yeah. with cerebral palsy, uh, and you know that that I I mean I'm very fascinated by that because I've, I've had big discussions about disability. I'm involved with Scope and um, uh, and you know and I've had some run-ins with comedians about about their disability material, which sometimes is good and sometimes bad. And there's obviously great uh, disabled comedians, but it but is that idea that you you some people feel you shouldn't even joke about that subject, um, and it's it's very well uh, balanced this that part of the show in terms of you're sort of tricking the audience a little bit, and you're talking about your sister in the present tense and 
uh, and being. I, I, and, wanted, I wanted them to go through. When my sister died, yeah. when I was eight years old, it was a shock. Man, I didn't. My parents, I think they knew. Uh, when Josie was born, the doctors basically said that she would get five years, uh, and she got she got six. So my parents knew that she had a life expectancy, but I didn't. No. So when it was revealed to me that she died, man, it was a proper shock as an eight year old. So I was, I didn't. You know, and I wanted my audience to go through that because because of the shock and because of how to deal with it, that's how I developed that sense of humour. Uh, because it was, it was shocking, it was horrible to come to terms with it. I was sad, but there was still funny things happening. And, and even though that moment was sad, so much of my sister's life had been, you know, it, she was she she laughed all the time, man. It's all she did. She, and it was a laugh that fucking uh, lit up a room. And I would, I would go back into school and I'd, it was... It, for me, it's dehumanizing to say that you can't laugh at these things. Like, if you're making fun of disabled people, absolutely. If they're the if they're the bit victims of the joke, then but that's the case for all jokes. If you're going, you do fuck you, fuck you. But if they're incorporated in to not laugh, look, disability can be fucking hysterical because it's weird. Like they they're not in full control of their limbs. They're not depending on the type of disability. They interpret things differently. Josie would laugh at random points, the most inappropriate fucking times in the world. That's funny and it's uncomfortable and other people getting uncomfortable makes it it funny. I just think it's so uh, important to, to not... If somebody says, don't make fun of me, fine, fine, absolutely. But I do not agree with, don't make fun of them. If somebody doesn't want to be made fun of, they go, me, don't do that, and then will not. But this idea of you shouldn't make fun of these people, I'm like, those people can tell me. Yeah. And I, and I think also it's valid to for you, for you yourself to cope with something terrible in your life via humor right which not everyone has to do that not everyone has to have jokes about a, a relative dying or whatever but if that helps you and it obviously helped you and i don't know where robin Ince obviously i don't know if you've read his recent book about uh what makes comedians comedians but he has this you know as that observation that a lot of comedians have lost uh, a mother or a parent or a sibling or whatever in childhood and that whether that I mean, a lot haven't as well, obviously, but whether that is the is the catalyst that turns them into comedians, or whether they you would have been a comedian anyway. But I think so. Quite, yeah, I, 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 no, I do agree. With, I do agree with the, the tragedy. You, there's different ways they react to tragedy. You yeah. can go to humor, or you can go the other ways. I also should clarify. I don't think the other ways are bad. One of the yeah. things people often get wrong is if your way of dealing with a tragedy is to laugh about it. That's absolutely fine. Other people's way might not be. So if you make a joke about something, let's say your mate's granddad died, right? And you make a joke about it to try and make them feel better, right? And that, uh, you make the joke and the other person gets upset. You don't get to be angry at that. You don't get to be like, it was just a joke. Yes, it was just a joke. Your intention wasn't to upset them, but the consequences were that you did. And that's the bit you have to deal with. Well, it's, you know, but comedy is all about context, isn't it? And that's what, you know, freedom of speech is all about context. And, and these people saying, you've got to be, you're not allowed to say anything. You, you know, you're not allowed to say some things in certain situations and you would accept that. <laughs> You'd accept that about other, there's things when it's inappropriate to, to start shouting, you know. We all know not people. to yell the word bomb in an airport. We all exactly. know. We all know that you don't yell bomb in an airport. You can, you can, but there are consequences to it. Yeah. But you, you are, you've been, you know, you're, you're interested in covering the big subjects and, you know, you've, you've, you've talked about, um, 
being unsuccessfully groomed. That was it. And you're talking about you're talking about masculinity in in the in the show X and talking about and Me Too and things like that. And, yeah, dealing yeah. with the, my uh, one of my close friends was sexually assaulted by one of my other friends. Obviously, he's not a friend anymore. Uh, that goes out saying, but it's about you know as a as a man, most of my stand-up is is the reason I talk about dark subject is because I'm an I'm an idiot and I'm not, and I'm slow to learn things, so I try and get the audience on my slow pace. Going, hey, right, this is how I arrived at these conclusions. I'm I'm not I'm not I'm not a great person, and especially with the the show X, uh, with the sexual assault of of my friend, realizing how absolutely complicit I had been in it. The the realization that I could have done more. That I was, if I'm being honest with myself, probably willfully ignorant about a lot of his uh, behavior, and. There's all these things that they, you know, I, I definitely five years ago would have been a hashtag not all men person. That yeah. under uh, ha, uh, that would have been me because I understand the logic of, but I didn't. So why am I? And it wasn't until I went through this that I stopped being a not all man person because I fucking realized, I hey, 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 it wasn't me. I didn't do it. But I know for a fact that. I didn't do for it enough. I know for a fact that there were warning signs that I ignored or that I chose to just see the best in him as opposed to what other people would tell me. I was complicit in all of this fucking shit. And I know that now. Now, instead of just yelling at men, because, uh, and don't me wrong, I understand we need to, it's nice to yell at us sometimes. As a man, I know I react so poorly and so viscerally to being yelled at, and that I should be better at it. But if I get yelled at, I stop listening. And 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 the re- the only reason I changed my opinion over these years is is because all of these things happen, and that's how I like to explain things. Instead of going, you should believe this. It's going, I used to think this, and then that's how I got there. So that way, even if the audience disagree with me, they understand my thinking. And I think that's so important, especially nowadays. People only tell you their conclusions and not how they arrived at them. And it's such an important bit of the discussion. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I think like the thing with the the, the men and, and the crisis in masculinity and the writing, the book I've been writing is, you know, I've been thinking about this a lot, but I think like men are the, are the only group I can think of who accept the stereotypes about them that I just don't think are true of most of us, right? And, you know, certainly, and there's a very negative stereotype of men, and there's an element of of it that's true, as with of many stereotypes, but basically it's a very aggressive, and yet men prop it up. And, and men actually, all these men who are angry about not all men or, or International Women's Day or Black Lives Matter, they're... they're directing their anger at exactly the wrong people they're directing their anger at the people who you know because a lot of a lot of men you know i can understand a lot of men are looking going well my life isn't great what's you know we talk about the patriarchy but i don't have a great life but the patriarchy is actually you know crushing it's the patriarchy that's crushing these men and they're supporting it because of this stupid code of masculinity or whatever or they you know that they have to stick together with men while this elite of men who right. are benefiting it from all? I just sort of, you know, they're the nerdy guy who wants to be in the gang. All those guys, and they're not—they're just being laughed at as well. And so, if they knew, I think if 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 they could just make that realization that the enemy isn't uh, immigrants or black people or women, it's the immigrant. The, it's the enemy is the is the the elite that's keeping the system. Well, it's the system, and and if and what they don't understand is equality 
means equality for, for everyone. So, you know, you fight against you know, International Women's Day wants equality, but what about men, where men are in equal are uh, not equal? Yeah, that, that would be that would be sorted too by yeah, the equality yeah. thing they talk. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, but it's but it's I think it's very interesting to hear you say the things you said and the things you said in your um shows. Also I was listening to your latest uh, podcast with Kai Humphreys, which is is, <laughs> is great. But you know, you're talking about the the black Black Lives Matter thing, but it's interesting to see two guys working it out right i think you know and and again akai being i think quite honest about his journey to realizing where where he'd been wrong in the past about those sort of things and getting there and you know and and i know kai a little bit and like he's a you know he's a very regular he's a regular kind of guy the kind of person you say that's yeah. that, uh, that yeah. the kind of people you know if you were a patronizing <laughs> idiot you might go oh he's that, that he's that kind of guy he's not he's a, he's a very guy. <laughs> yeah, but he's a very thoughtful, intelligent guy, and he is, you know, he has come to the correct realization about yeah, and it, t- it took a Black Lives Matter. Yeah, and, but I think that's w- what happens so much is is uh, the the there's a learning process. There's the the before you arrive at the conclusion, there's the conversation that happens, and as someone specifically who doesn't know a lot of these things, these conversations where I'm trying to learn are fucking slow and they do need and it's and it must and i get it it must be so frustrating for women just going how is how have you not at this fucking point in time you've been on this planet for 29 years how are you only just learning these things because i'm a privileged piece of shit and now and i only became aware of it four years ago so there's this process of one learning to understanding that your privilege doesn't mean that your life is inherently better than everyone else you can still benefit from privilege and still have a shitty life like it's, it's and it's I think it's important to have these conversations instead of offering everyone your conclusion going, this is right. This is right. This is this going, Hey, we all agree here. We all agree here. We all agree here. Oh, oh, oh. And we all arrived at the same conclusion together because then it's, you're teaching people how to think, not what to think, how to think. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, I think that's it. I think nearly everyone who's complaining about nearly everything is sort of on the same side and they've been divided it's divide and conquer and there is this you know propensity with social media to be furious to be furious to come in furiously against you say something and they go oh so so you must think this and you <laughs> yeah. go, no, I, I, the words i said the ones that left my mouth are the ones i yeah. made but funnily enough you know being making a comment and then having 50 people come and berate you and I've had it from I know I've had it from both sides of most arguments because we're a because you're a comedian you'll say cheeky things one way or the other or you'll question something. I've had it. If people are berating you, your your immediate feeling is oh, you know. So whatever you think about those arguments, and now, you know, I'm pretty sure I know what the the right side of that argument is now. But whatever you think, if you're trying to convince people, you don't fucking go at them like they're. A oh, maniac yeah. and an idiot. You try and convince them that your argument is right with some facts, rather right. than some... and, also, and empathy. empathy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, hey, 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 hey. It's like if you were to see a, you know, it's, it's, you got to talk to people like you talk to kids. And I say this is somebody that needs to be spoken to like a child sometimes. Like, hey, don't kick that cat because it's sad because that's a bad thing to do. And it, you, you, so especially not. Uh, I've just almost did what we said we shouldn't do. I was about to say a lot of men. I think a lot of men, uh, because maybe emotionally were a bit more closed off with it until later. I certainly didn't start being good with my emotions until I was about 21 or 22. Like I actively stopped myself crying. If I ever caught myself crying, I'd be like, nope, nope, you don't, nope, that's girls cry, men don't cry. And 
uh, it 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 take having conversations with other men patiently taking their time to go hey hey let's slowly talk about your emotions and leading me to a conclusion as opposed to forcing it there if that makes sense yeah, sure no, sure it was interesting but then you know that i think when comedy does that and you know i think you, it's very interesting you're you're covering those big subjects and i think a lot of people wouldn't you know want to want to want to talk I, about it. I think my big is my opinion on these things is not necessarily uh, right, and I, uh, but I'm not coming out with any stonewall conclusion from it. Like it, I'm, I am ab- I am absolutely part of whatever most problems are. I'm probably part of it, right? <laughs> and it's learning that, and then also making sure that going okay, I know that, and passing that information on so that. Just empathetic, empathetic discussion is dead in the world now. You know, people can, can't. You know, but I hope it's. I hope it's sort of changing. I think it might. change. I mean, I think all this stuff that's happening at the moment that is largely a big positive step. I hope. I think it's just. I think it's. I think it's the real. It's real. It is empathy, but it's it's also real. The realization. I think it is that it's. You've got to take things. Sadly, you've got to take things like a little bit slowly, and then every now and again, you need to go. No, this is going too slowly. Yeah, let's, yes. let's let's throw this statue in the in the harbour to to move this along a bit and see where it is. Uh, yeah, let's <laughs> keep this argument because like, <laughs> this one's been going on a bit. Four hundred years is probably long enough. Um. So yeah. It, well, it, well, it, it's good to to be covering these big subjects. Look, we're we're uh, we're running out of time. Um. So is that the, what, these driving clubs? Uh, is this week? It's this weekend, isn't it? As we're, as yes, we're this talking. weekend. So if you want to go and see some live comedy in London, is it all in London or is it in uh, London? Uh, uh, if you go to the the driving website, uh, they've got other. They've got movies on. They've got an actual driving thing. They've got stuff for kids, right. and they'll be expanding. So it's all cool. available. And maybe, maybe something in Edinburgh if you can. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully, sort it. but um, I, I, we can do something online. For, I mean, people, will, Edinburgh will sort of happen. I think. Somewhere. Yeah, I, yeah, I think it'll be so, like I'll stand on the Royal Mile with a YouTube <laughs> video of someone juggling, and then if everyone can give me twenty quid, that's spot on. Okay. Uh, I also have a book coming out on the third of November. Okay, good. What's what's that about? It's called, every, it's called "Everyone You Hate Is Going to Die." And, that is very uh, true. And. Well, that's going to make well. We'll look out for that. Thank you very much. Good luck with everything. I hope we're back in the the clubs and on tour and around the world uh, very soon in in Russia again soon. <laughs> uh, thanks very much for your time. Uh, we'll be back next week uh, with um, Joe Caulfield. Next week we've got a. If you go to richhane dot com, uh, you can click on uh, my face and find out who the upcoming guests. Ah, but uh, thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen, the amazing Daniel Sloss. Thank you. See you. Goodbye. See you very soon, everyone. Goodbye. You have been listening to Rahalastapa with me, Richard Herring, and my guest, Daniel Sloss. Thank you, as always, to Pest for providing this music. I would like to thank everyone at Twitch, at ACAS, at the British Comedy Guide, Sky Potato, GoFasterStripe.com, and I'm particularly indebted to Chris Evans, not that one, who has done amazing work in keeping all of this going through lockdown and providing me with technical assistance. Uh, I, I would also like to thank our executive producer, who this week is Mark Hillen. We called him Mark Villain, because we, we, like, we like to think of him as a villain, even though he was providing money 
for us to make this and why we were so rude to him and take it back now. This is a Sky Potato Fuzz and GoFasterStripe.com production. Head to rahulastapa.co.uk slash Kickstarter to join in with our stone clearing Kickstarter. A snooker one is coming with all sorts of wonderful Panani, Punani sticker albums and a glamour shot of Me 11 and much, much more for your enjoyment. Um, and membership cards as well as there was with the stone clearing one. Or if you just want to be a simple badger, go fasterstrike.com slash badges. Thank you very much for watching and listening and now go away. Bye-bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Thanks for listening. RichardHerring.com slash gigs. GoFasterStripe.com for all my books, downloads, all that sort of shizzle. Oh, yeah, I know all the cool words. And um, would love to see you on the, on the Can I Have My Ball Back tour if you can make it. Bye.